hosted on dimlywit.com. I'm Alex. And I'm Tina. And this is Obsessed Obsessed with the Best. We're two New York City gals who are bringing you the best of the best of all things beauty, wellness, and inspirational women. We've tried it all and can't wait to tell you what's worth obsessing over. Join us each week as we share our favorite products and trends and chat with leading female founders and experts. Welcome to Obsessed Obsessed with with the Best with with Alex and Tina. Tina. Shannon McClay is a financial planner and the CEO of The Financial Gym, a personal financial services company that takes a fitness-inspired approach to their clients' finances. Through her blog, Financially Blonde, her book, Train Your Way to Financial Fitness, her podcast, Martinis and Your Money, and her company, Shannon is committed to making financial fitness fun, easy, and accessible for everyone. Let's welcome Shannon McClay. Shannon, hi! Okay, what inspired you to start the financial gym? Oh, I I love this question. I love remembering back nine years ago when I had this idea, because that's how long it's been um, living within my soul and probably a little bit further than that. Um, but I was on this life mission journey to find purpose in my life that started around when I turned 30. And um, up until that point, I just had an investment banking job, was making a bunch of money. I used to tell people I'm not changing the world. I'm just making money. And I was doing great at that. And then I hit 30 and I just started to feel like maybe there's something else. It didn't really quite resonate like it used to. Got Life Coach, read this book about happiness. And I was like, there's something to this. The book at the end of the day is 400 pages of a lot of different things. But the message at the end of the day was to find long-term sustainable happiness is to help other people without expecting anything in return. So literally opening a door and not expecting a thank you kind of level of happiness. And that really resonated with me. And I was like, that sounds like what I should be doing, but I didn't know how. And so I was like, always kind of open to where I was going from that point on fast forward a few years, I was working as um, a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. And I thought this is how, you know, I'm going to help people really to help more women become advisors. I became a financial advisor at Merrill because there weren't enough women. And I thought it wasn't fair. Um, if somebody wanted to find something different, you know, it just, it wasn't fair. 85% of the advisors are men. And I always say, there's nothing wrong with that. I married a man. I birthed a man. I love men. Um, I've always worked in male dominated industries, love men, but it just felt really unfair that if you wanted to find something, it was near impossible to find. So became a financial advisor. I was, you know, with the mission of helping more women become advisors. And then, you know, I became an advisor and I thought the problem was inclusivity. Uh, as far as, you know, gender and advisors. But what I realized is that the problem with financial advisory is inclusivity with clients because to work with me at Merrill Lynch, you had to have 250,000 in assets. And I never thought anything of it because I'd been around money, worked on trading floors and things like that. So I never thought anything about it until I started meeting a lot of people who didn't have 250,000 in assets, but literally wanted to talk to a human being, um, you know, to talk about their financial situation. And I, I, I laugh all the time with the gym because, um, one of my quote mentors, and I always say mentor in air quotes, because he was the furthest thing from a mentor, but, um, he was my designated mentor. And he told me when I was building my practice in Maryland, she was like, pre-screen all your calls, make sure they have money because if they don't have money, then they don't even count. 
So you don't want to waste your time, you know? And I remember thinking, I'm not going to ask somebody how much is in their bank account before we have coffee. That just doesn't feel right. So I didn't pre-screen my calls. I literally accepted every call. I was like the advisor of yes. Like if somebody's like, Hey, I need a planner. I'm like, great, let's grab coffee. Let's, let's chat. I wasn't like, how much do you have first before we talk? And, um, one of those first meetings was a woman who, uh, she, I said, it's, it's almost like a movie. It started out with her saying, I have 250,000 of student loan debt and I make $50,000 a year, not the six figure law career. My expensive law school told me I would have, and she's going on and on. And she said, you know, and I just feel unlovable. Like who would want to marry me with all this debt? And it was a lot to unpack in a first meeting. And I remembered my head just kind of spinning because I was like, I don't know. I don't have anything to help her at Merrill, but I want to help her. So I did this plan for her and, um, and then I started doing more plans for other people. I called them my pro bono clients. And, and I just became the worst financial advisor ever because I loved people with no money. My pro bono clients, it was the work I was doing. And I was doing that. It was like this dirty little secret. I was doing that for a little bit. And then kind of all came to a head. It was a week of my life. Um, and the week started with a couple that had over a million dollars with me. We were doing their quarterly review. The, their portfolio was down 3% because the markets were down. And it was like the end of the world to these people. They were just like, how are the kids going to go to college? And how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do that? And I remember thinking these aren't real, real problems, but like I spent an hour of my life making them feel better about being a little less rich. And it was just really soul sucking. And I thought, I guess this is my job, you know, to help people feel better about, you know, a situation that didn't feel that bad to me. And then um, two days later, I did a financial plan for a woman, a pro bono client, and similar to the plans that we have at the gym bulleted out. Here's how much you need to save. Here's how you handle student loans. Here's what you do with the credit card debt. And just all, you know, in a word document telling her what to do at the end of the meeting, she said, you know, you're saving my life. Right. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like this meeting feels so much better than that other meeting. And it was just this aha of like, I have to do something for people like this, which is the majority of Americans, 72% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. It's like, there just needs to be something. And I was on a weight loss journey around this time. And I just remember having this feeling of like, there's so many places we could go to get physically healthy and we all have so many options, but where do people go to get financially healthy? Where can I send all these pro bono clients to that's going to treat them like human beings to give them care, empathy and compassion, no matter what's in their bank account. And I thought you would go to a financial gym. So, um, it just all like clicked. And then I never thought about starting a business in my life, never had an idea for one. And then all of a sudden I was consumed by it. I was like, I have to do it. No one else is going to do this. Um, and I saw it very clearly. I was like, the advisors are trainers. They wear jeans and t-shirts. Uh, people pay monthly membership fee, like a regular gym. And just like a regular gym, anyone can work out there. And that was nine years ago now. But so I knew nothing about starting a business, knew nothing about entrepreneurial journey. I was just like, it just has to exist. I went on this, like I asked a bunch of friends, they were like, like, we'll bootstrap it, you know, prove that the model works, you know, prove that you do this before you raise money. Cause I just thought, oh, I'll raise money. You know, that'll be this big thing right away. And the feedback I got was to bootstrap it. So then I spent the next two years of my life going through everything I own literally to help and not charge people a lot of money and figure out like, what does this look like? And I was literally through everything I own, like I had over $250,000 in a 401k when it all started, it was gone. And I remember telling my then husband, like having to tell him there was nothing left. Like I was, all I had was a life insurance policy. So I was literally worth more dead than alive. Oh and, um, and I was like, there's nothing left. Like, so I got to go back 
to the bank. I got to go back and make six figures again. Like this has been fun helping people, but like I can't. And he was like, he saw the power of what I've been doing. Like clients, clients one, two, and three are still with me eight and a half years later. Like, you know, so he's like saw the impact and he was like, I have some money left in my IRA. Let's, you know, keep going. And a few, a few weeks later, I had coffee with a former boss of mine who was just let go from Merrill. And I was telling about what I was doing, how I was helping people and all this stuff. And he was like, I have the severance payout. How do you think I should invest the money? And I was like, I think you should invest in a small financial services company that's about to run out of money. And he was my first hundred thousand dollar check. And to date, I've raised over $10 million for the gym. And we, uh, locations across the country. We've worked with clients in all 50 states. Um, and we've worked with people as young as 17, as old as 75 people with negative dollars in the bank account. Um, what our, our client who had the roughest starting point had negative $2,500 in her bank account because the bank overdraft fees, um, to millions of dollars, uh, in their bank accounts or investment accounts to zero of debt to seven figures of debt because of mortgages and student loans and everything in between. Well, I, for one, am so, so grateful that you stuck with it and you created this this institution because I've been with the financial gym for this is my I'm going on my third month um and yes. it has I'm t- I'm not even joking before we hopped on here I told Shannon that I was fangirling over her because it has changed my life it has truly changed my life and money has always been very very emotional for me it's held a lot of power mm-hmm. over me there's been a lot of shame my father was a stockbroker he worked in investments I sh- I feel like I should know more than I do mm-hmm. and I just I don't and I there's we don't mm-hmm. talk about money you know money is such a taboo thing that's like so scary and nobody talks about and working with the financial gym it's been it's taken all of that shame out of it mm-hmm. and it's made it really pragmatic and really like great if you have this let's start here let's go here let's do baby steps it's been unlike any app I've ever I've, I've used apps I've done google searches mm-hmm. I've done listen to the all the podcasts I've done all the things but mm-hmm. it wasn't until I worked one-on-one with a human being that I could mm-hmm. explain my very what feels very unique to me situation yeah, and say okay so, yeah what do how do I do this because this isn't like a typical paycheck situation or this isn't a typical investment that I have or how should I do this and oh my god my life has like flipped around in just in just two and a half months yeah so it's so funny some of the things you said Tina about it the the feelings of shame and 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 fear if fear and shame are the two words we hear all the time in the last nine years if I had to pick two words I hear consistently are fear and shame like I'm afraid I'm gonna run out of money or I'm afraid that um I'm not saving enough or I'm not preparing for retirement or I'm ashamed I have credit card debt or I'm ashamed I'm not saving enough. And I always tell people money is like part of our DNA. And so to have those two emotions, fear and shame, two very highly charged negative emotions, literally running through our DNA. It's honestly what motivates me so much to get out of bed every day and keep the mission going because it's unnecessary. And so, so there are a lot of feelings like that. And what the problem is the way I describe it is that personal finance and dealing with money is a language, right? It is a language. And I just say, let's just call it Greek, right? So Greek is the language. Well, we're not giving Greek lessons in school. We're not giving Greek lessons at home. Um, most of us aren't. Some people, you know, our most financially fit clients were speaking Greek at home in some way, shape or form. But like most of us didn't speak Greek at home. We didn't, we don't speak Greek on our jobs. And yet we start making money because that's what we all have to do at some point. The ultimate form of adulting is at some point you got to receive money. And now we're expected to speak Greek. Right. Like, so all of a sudden now we are in Greece 
because we are making money and we need to learn how we need to know Greek. And why, and then we're feeling like, I know I should be better with my money or I was around this, but why? Like you didn't learn it at all. And now you're expected to speak it and make choices that literally have impacts. Like it's not just like, Hey, you asked where the bathroom is and you got sent somewhere different. Like you, you know, ran up a credit card bill or you had, um, you know, whatever you didn't make as much money as you should like, or you signed a lease on an apartment. You didn't really know you could afford that much of an apartment. I mean, so many decisions we were forced to make in Greece and yet we don't speak it. And so, you know, it's our, our, our biggest mission at the gym really is help people drop the fear and shame because that doesn't really get us anywhere. And, it, and it's unnecessary. Um, two is financial literacy to give the Greek lessons. Um, and it, and it's most meaningful. And we see it when people pick it up, when they apply it to their own lives, it's really hard to learn Greek just so you know, too, it's really hard to learn Greek when you can't really apply it. Cause I get asked this all the time about, well, classes in high school or things like that. But unless you're in, you know, dealing with your own economic situation of earning money, saving, spending or whatever, it's really hard to teach. Um, so you do really need assistance. So you do learn it. You can learn it very quickly. Um, and then three, to help people understand um, and drop the financial anxiety that they have, because that's another word we hear a lot about um, at the gym, because everything you do financially is fixable, every single thing. And that's the biggest message. If I had to deliver one message for the rest of my life is that everything you do financially is fixable. And yet we hold so much to our financial choices. Like we give it so much energy and time and it's it's fixable. It's not permanent. Your, your digits, your numbers are not, they don't define you. Um, they're just numbers and everything can change. And, and if that's the biggest thing I've seen over the last nine years, we've seen clients again, start with negative $2,500 who have thousands and thousands, tens of thousands in the bank. Now, um, people who have never saved who are saving, um, people who had, you know, significant amount of debt that have paid it off or needed to file for bankruptcy or whatever. I mean, it's, it's all fixable. It's so cool that you've made it so accessible because the person with negative dollars in their checking account, the paycheck to paycheck person, the person who makes a wildly different amount of money every month and it's unpredictable. Those are the people that need you the most, yeah. you know? So this is so cool. So Tina and I live in New York City. We moved here young. We're in the creative space. So we have a really interesting outlook of seeing and being friends with people from literally all walks of life, mm -hmm. from true paycheck to paycheck, tons of debt to maybe independently wealthy to like, and everything in between as you do in New York City. Mm -hmm. So, but really something that's so common is everyone has so much emotion mm -hmm. around the money, whether they have $0 or they have a lot of money. So are there just, is there one thing, one place you can start to kind of help release the, separate the emotions from your money. Yeah. Um, it's funny. One of our first, uh, webinars that we, we do a lot of webinars and lunch and learns with companies. And one of the ones we suggest that they start with is, uh, one that we teach and it's about, um, adopting a healthy money mindset and how you can adopt a, a healthy money mindset. And it's a number of steps, but you know, the biggest thing is to, um, you know, to like 
to educate yourself on the personal finance. Like that's the number one thing. Cause we're feeling this fear and shame because we don't, we're not speaking language, right? Like it's like being in Greece and everybody's speaking Greek and you're not. And, and the funny thing is like, we hear this from a lot of, you know, women, like you have this assumption that other people are speaking Greek, like, you know, guys talking about crypto or whatever. And you're like, oh, well they speak Greek guys aren't speaking Greek better than you. Okay. They just can like copy a few sentences and repeat them over and over again. Okay. They don't really understand <laughs> it. Um, FYI, we always love when we get the couples and it's like, the guy's like, what did she sign me up for? And, and then meanwhile, he's asking the most questions, right? <laughs> We're like, yeah. Um, cause again, most people don't know it. So it's really, it is like accepting that you need to speak Greek and, and embracing the education around it, because especially for women, it's just not a language we want to talk about. Money is not something that really moves us to our decisions, especially creatives, right? It's not our like guiding North star, but we have to know it, you know, and, and it's power to know it. So you know, finding the resources that make sense to you. So again, it is Greek. So what, how do you receive it best? It's really hard to read it. I suggest podcasts. I suggest, you know, YouTubes and finding the voice where it clicks with you. Like I have a podcast called martinis in your money, um, living a better life, one cocktail at a time where, you know, we talk about things and I, and there's a lot of podcasts that I recommend and we talk about, we share with our clients, but like, um, you know, starting there and starting to hear it and listen, start to get your, your friend group into that and talking about it. Like most of us go out to brunch and we're not talking about money because again, we don't feel comfortable, but starting to normalize that. So starting to learn, start to educate, like even with a group of friends, picking things up together and, and communicating and normalizing money conversations is really kind of step one, because money is the ultimate taboo topic. We always say, um, at the gym, um, we're more comfortable getting physically naked with somebody than financially naked. Um, and you know, we used to joke that, and you got your ladies are in New York. We used to joke that, uh, that our first gym location was on fifth Avenue, right across the street from the museum of sex. And so we would joke that they had dildos in the window and yet we were the taboo kids on the block because yeah. we were talking about credit scores in people's bank accounts. And, um, that's so real. Yeah. And you know, so, but we should just normalize the conversations. Like we used to, um, have this event at the gym. We call it the money mindfulness event. We'd start with a meditation. Then we, people would show up and we would put wristbands on them. And then they didn't know what they were getting into. Then we did the meditation and then we said, okay, anybody who's in a green wristband, you all are going to share what your credit score is. And everybody in a pink wristband, you're going to share what your salary is. And everyone in blue wristband, you're going to share what's in your bank account. And you could see people's faces. They were losing their, you know what? They were just like, I did not sign up for this event. And I like, like the fear of like, what? Um, and it was like, we asked everybody to get naked, right? Like, and, and the people's faces were just crazy. Then we split up in the groups and, and our trainers would kind of like lead the groups. And what happened was people started sharing. Most groups shared more than they needed to. Most groups, like with the salary group, like people talked about different negotiating strategies or like what they could ask for. Like it became like this motivational thing. Other people were like, oh, I thought I was the only one with this dead. And, and it just normalized the conversation. And and that's what we said. They're just digits. They're just numbers. They don't define us. So if we start normalizing, talking about it and not feeling like, oh, I don't want to share this because 
this person, that person. Let me tell you, especially in New York or anywhere, I, I would say 72% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. It doesn't matter the size of the paycheck. So it doesn't matter if they're the investment banker in New York or which we've had investment bankers who have literally nothing in their bank account to, you know, wow. investors who have seven pictures. That is like wild for us to hear because as creatives, I think we always assume that like the people who work in the corporate world, since that's been a little foreign to us, mm-hmm. oh, they know more. They have it all together. No. We're the ones who are flailing. Yeah. It's just an assumption just because we're not in that world. Right. Yeah. But you know what happens when you assume, Alex, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Exactly. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, exactly. I think that's it's one wild. of the, there's been a lot of eye-opening lessons over the last nine years, but one of them is like, we, we say at the gym a lot, the problems are the same. The zeros are different. So, you know, we have people making seven figures living paycheck to paycheck. We have people making, you know, four figures living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, it's, uh, we had a, a couple that started with us a few years ago. They have millions of dollars in the bank, mil- multi-millions. And the reason why they joined the gym is they were scared about running out of money. Multi-millions. I mean, so, you know, again, like we have people who are scared of running out of money with a lot less in the bank. So it, it is, uh, they're all the same. It's, it, and it's funny, you know, with our trainers, part of the training is about helping people, you know, accept where they're at and make the plan for where they want to go and do it with, you know, compassion, empathy. And, and a lot of times people sit through that first meeting, share a lot of digits and feel a lot of anxiety and shame. And they'll comment. They're like, and the trainer didn't overreact didn't shame. He didn't do this. And I'm like, it's cause we've seen it all literally. Okay. Like you are not going to, your numbers are not going to scare us. Uh, they are not going to move us. And people have asked me a lot over the years, like, am I the worst you've seen? What's the worst you've seen? And I would say the worst we've seen is not in the gym because the people coming to the gym are so brave. So, um, taking the step to forward to, you know, change their money situation, really, um, making a commitment to do that. And so, you know, the worst is, and it's not the worst, but the worst is what we haven't seen, right. Is just like letting it keep kind of not fixing it, um, or not working on, you know, your financial situation. That's so we haven't seen it yet at the gym's point. What I love. And we've seen a lot. I Well, I'm sure you're like a doctor. A you've lot. seen you've seen it all. So nothing probably scares you, which I mean, nothing. I remember when I had my first meeting with my trainer. Um, shout out to Katrina. She's the best. Um, she yes. was so awesome. And I was so nervous going into my first meeting with all of my because I, 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 I'm very much like an ostrich and I. I bury my head in the sand and I don't want to see things. And so like, I hadn't really looked at my financial. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I'm not in trouble, but I knew that I wasn't great. I wasn't. Your situation wasn't ideal. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't where I wanted to be. I didn't feel in control. And mm-hmm. so I showed up and I, you know, read all my numbers and she came from such a place of like compassion and curiosity. And I was expecting mm-hmm. like. I don't, I, I think I was scared that it was going to be more of a, oh, how did you get yourself into this? You know, because again, right. coming from like my, my dad, who was a stockbroker and like money, it was like, that was what we used to, you know, deal with power dynamics in our, in our mm-hmm. household. So to have somebody who is genuinely curious of like, so what do you want? What, how do you want your finances to look? And how, what's the dream? And okay, great. So if we're going to do that, this is, we're, let's lay this all out. And it just felt, mm-hmm. I, by the end of the meeting, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm in good shape. And nothing had changed financially for me, but my mindset. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, it's just been, that's so cool. It's been amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. So yeah. one of the rules of thumb that I've always heard is you're not really saving until you've paid off all of your debt. 
Mm-hmm. What is your take on that? Is it possible yeah. to save money while also paying off debt? Is mm-hmm. that a thing? Yeah, it's actually what we preach at the gym. So um, again, when we're meeting somebody uh, for their first session, we're meeting them where they're at. So frequently uh, it, it could involve debt, certainly student loan debt, but it could be credit cards or personals or whatever. And um, and then, you know, a lot of times they don't have money saved because they've been putting it all towards debt. And um, what happens as we tell people is like, yeah, you're paying interest on the debt, right? So it doesn't seem like the best move. You want to get rid of the interest, but you also need cash for life and emergencies and other things. And if you're just focused on debt repayment, you get debt fatigued. It's, um, it's challenging. It's hard to feel motivated to get out of bed and do a thing. Talk about mindset shift, right? If you're just repaying your, your mistakes of the past, right? That's the only like, that's where your paycheck's going. So we do, we tell clients that, you know, depending on what the situation looks like, what their credit score situation looks like, we'll work through a plan for the debt, but we, we insist that they save. Um, and they're saving and, and they might not be paying down the debt as aggressively, but, um, but they're, they need to, to save as well. And we know we're paying interest to, to get the savings happening. Cause what happens is you feel better when you have more money in the bank. It's just a thing. It is, um, it doesn't matter how much, you know, debt you think very, um, life-changing, game-changing about that for people. So it really is important for us to create a saving uh, focus and mentality and then working toward the debt. And then what we could do is we can have choices then. Like, so as the savings builds and we have other things under control, then we can make lump sum payments to the debt and pay it down. Maybe we can, you know, credit, our credit score will change and improve. And maybe we could look at a personal loan and uh, consolidating the debt or, you know, some other solution around the debt. Like, again, we could always work on that, but it's hard to have the cash to save. And, and it's something we see frequently people over paying down towards student loans, like that feeling of like, oh, I have to pay off the student loans. And you know, it's sometimes tens and tens of thousands of dollars and you're not going to pay that off over, you know, in a year, like you could, it's a grind or whatever, but you could also, you know, accept that it's going to take some time to pay it off, um, have the plan and work it out and, you know, work on the other things in life. Cause there's more to life than debt. We, we call it, we don't want anyone to have the debt sentence. Um, and you know, there's other things to do and you're going to be more motivated around that if you have that. And, um, you know, it's funny. I have a number of clients who have a lot of students loan debt. And I told them, and, and they're, they're like possibly a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. And they really want to pay it off because they have a higher income and I encourage the savings. And I'm like, and then, you know, we can pay off the debts whenever, like we'll work on it. And a hundred percent of the time they're like, they get to the point where they have enough money to pay off all the debt. And they're like, no, I'm okay. Like I want my money to be doing other things or whatever. It's earning more by being invested than what I'm paying in the debt. And then they become more strategic around it. And then it, it it's changes, but the, the, mentality of having more money in the bank, um, is just, it, it, it'll give you the energy for a debt repayment journey. So we really do focus on doing both at the same time. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, Hey, we're the Bravo bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav bros. No. Oh, dude. Stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo, bros. Good job.
if you know Tina and I, you know that we love therapy. We honestly don't even know how we would have gotten through the last two years without our weekly therapy sessions. BetterHelp offers easy, affordable, and convenient access to therapy. First of all, you don't even have to do any of the research, which can be the hardest part because they do that work for you. They will literally match you with a therapist in under 48 hours. Second, you don't even have to leave your home because BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat sessions. Honestly, it's always a good time to invest in yourself and in your mental health, so give it a try. And see for yourself why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. We have a special offer just for our obsessed listeners. For 10% off your first month of professional virtual therapy, go to betterhelp.com slash obsessed. That's betterhelp.com slash obsessed. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. We are sponsored by Ombre Lab. Are you struggling with bloating, moodiness, constipation, or weight gain, and you just can't figure out why? Well, the answer could literally be in your gut. Your gut contains trillions of bacteria, both good and bad. And when your body doesn't have enough of the good bacteria, the bad bacteria flourishes. When this happens, it can cause all kinds of symptoms. Ombre Labs makes it really easy to check on your gut health by offering an at-home test that can measure your bacteria levels. The test will ship right to your door with easy to follow instructions, and then when you get your results, they'll give you a detailed breakdown of your gut bacteria, let you know what foods to eat more or less of, plus you can get personalized probiotics to heal your gut with a subscription. I've done the test myself, and personally, it was the easiest thing ever. No doctor's appointments, no scheduling when you can get to the office. They send everything right to you, and then you just pop it back into the mail, and you get your results. So if you want to start feeling better, visit tryombre.com obsessed to get $30 off of your test. That's T-R-Y-O-M-B-R-E dot com slash obsessed for $30 off. Thank you to Ombre Labs for sponsoring this podcast. I feel like money, I mean, obviously I've been on this financial gym journey lately. And also mm-hmm. with like tax season being in the smack mm-hmm. dab middle of it, it's like I, every like January to March, I'm like, oh, this is the year that I'm really going to get it <laughs> together. But I actually, this is the year I'm getting it together. Um, mm-hmm. But if we are, if we are in a position where we do receive a tax refund this year, where, where should we put that money? Should that go towards our mm-hmm. debt? Should we save it? Should we invest it? Mm-hmm. What would you suggest? So it's hard for me to give blanket advice without seeing the whole plan, right? Um, but it's a, a few step process. So it's um, we do like money to go to savings. Uh, we do like money to go to debt repayment, and then we do like money to go to fun. Um, and we do plan for that. So that's always shocking when we have clients who are like, "Oh wait, I can you know buy new outfits." We're like, "Yeah," because we get it, right? This is a financial health journey is a lifelong journey. And um, so doing the fad diets or the fad things like the keto or whatever, like we're not going to do that because like you're not going to stick with it. Like we want you to stick with it. We want it to be something you do. And so the reality is, is like, you know, and when we train new trainers, we tell them we're like, sometimes you're going to have to put your own personal thoughts and what you feel like is right. Like sometimes you have to put that aside to realize there's a better way to do it, to help somebody, you know, stay on the journey. So yeah, like the best case scenario is you repay all your debt 
and sick money in retirement, right? But that's not going to motivate you to get out of bed, right? Like, and um, the last two years, especially has been a struggle for anyone to get out of bed and make money, right? And so if you're just doing that for, uh, again, saving for retirement or debt repayment, that's not going to motivate you. And so, you know, we want our clients to feel really connected to what they're working on. Um, We have a slogan at the gym, what are you working for? Why do you get out of bed every day? Why do you do the hustle? Why are you doing the things? And it's for a lot of, you know, we ask in your plan about non-negotiables. It's for those things. It's for the life you want to live. And we just want to make sure we're aligning what you're doing around that and making room for that. We have clients who um, we ask them, like, what is important to you? What are your non-negotiables? And, you know, it could be shopping. It could be purses. It could be health and wellness, travel, whatever it is. Tattoos. I mean, we don't, fur babies, we don't care what your thing is, but we want to make sure we make room for that. And we're spending with that and aligned with that. And then, you know, making choices on the other things um, separate, you know, most people's non-negotiables are travel, fur babies, health and wellness. Um, where most people spend their money is, um, is in Amazon. It's in seamless slash Grubhub, you know, food delivery or dining out, uh, in New York, it's Dwayne Reed, mm-hmm. um, is, is up there and, or Uber, although, you know, the pandemic has changed a little bit. Um, but the point of that is to say, when we track our clients' expenses, most of it's not going to the things that bring them joy. And then when they don't have the room in their budget for the things that bring them joy, that's like challenging. So, you know, we want clients, we're not going to judge you if, for the Starbucks or for whatever, we don't care. Um, but we would just want to make sure that like you're spending with what you're aligned and not just mindlessly spending, um, and, you know, missing the opportunity to really commit to the things you want to do. Right. And this feels like a very sane approach because you're right. If you, there's no joy in your life and there's nothing to look forward to and there's no fun, you're going to get depressed and everything's going to get worse. Yeah. You know? So I like the, the mental health aspect Mm -hmm. of this too. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to talk about freelancers, people who make a different amount of money every single month, people who make a different amount of money every single month. And not that it's not a lot, but maybe it's wildly different Mm -hmm. and it's not predictable. Talking about an actor who's in a Broadway show and then it closes. Mm -hmm. Or I used this example with Tina when we were talking about this. I remember, I'll never forget, there were two months back to back in my 20s where one month I meant I made $500 for the whole month. And then the next month I made $12,000 in one day for, yeah. a, you know, right. like, and I was like whiplash of yeah. just, and I was like, yeah, these are, you know, this is the life. So what are your tips for kind of budgeting and tracking when you might not know mm-hmm. the income? Mm-hmm. So it's ideal for us to get our clients before they're freelancing and doing the work to have a setup. Um, already set up, but I, and I'm going to get to when you don't, which most people don't, but the setup, if you're thinking about leaving a full-time nine to five or whatever, full-time job to freelance, um, we really want you to have 12 months of your monthly expenses saved. And what we want you to do is put that in a savings account. And that's going to become like your payroll for the year so that every month, um, you will pay yourself twice a month from that account. You'll do a transfer to that account and simulate a paycheck so that you're living. And then as you're earning money in the business or wherever, it's just going to refuel that account and just keep refueling that account. And why this is an ideal practice is like whenever you're freelancing, building a business early on growing, whatever, you don't want to have to worry about 
constantly paying the bills, right? That's going to, especially for creatives, it's very difficult to get in a creative mindset when you're in scarcity mindset, overpaying your actual bills. So we'd love for you to be able to know that you can just pull from that and it gets replenished when you earn the money and you're living a quote, normalized life. Like you've been used to, um, now, if you're already freelancing, you already have a setup, then we want you to try to work toward getting to a point where you have, or creating like a payroll for yourself, um, you know, and the steps around that. The biggest thing we're looking to do with our freelancing clients is normalizing the spending and not getting into this feast and famine mentality. Cause it's really hard to sustain that. Cause what happens is, yeah, when you're on $500 a month, you're in your, okay, I can like cut this, that cut that, cut that. But then you get 12,000 and you're like, oh, I want to spend this, you know, that, you know, whatever it's, it's just human nature. So we, we like to get our clients to like a normalized process of like, okay, can we get money to the same account and, and create a payroll system, um, create a saving system, saving for taxes that doesn't happen like that. We, when every dollar comes in, it all has a place. Um, and so, and that we're creating a system that it, it won't fluctuate the, the monthly system won't fluctuate, even though the income's fluctuating. So that's what we're trying to work on is like getting around that because the more consistency we can give with our systems around our money, then it's okay that it's erratic as we're earning it. Um, but it's, it's work. We know how to do it and we do it a lot. And, and the number one, um, employer at the gym is self-employed. I think more than, I think more than, uh, 30% of our clients are freelancers, entrepreneurs, like solopreneurs. So we see it very frequently. Well, and that's something that was so game changing for me was I had like all my money kind of in one bucket. And it was like, okay, how can you make the most out of every single dollar? It was like, well, in like, theoretically, I, I have money saved, but it's all in one place. Well, what Katrina was able to offer me was a list of financial institutions that are trusted that you have used that offer mm -hmm. places with high yield savings accounts that have mm -hmm. places that you can put your money into different buckets to save. And mm -hmm. that has been like mind blowing because I was like, well, yeah, if I want to set aside, set aside money, mm -hmm. but I didn't have it was all in one place. You know, it's it's, it's things yeah. like that, like really the brass tacks and the nuts and bolts that like were blowing my brain apart because I just mm -hmm. didn't know the logistics of, OK, so how do I how do I do that? Um, yeah. Something I love and is is that you guys send out a newsletter every week mm -hmm. uh, with, yep. with different tips of, of mm -hmm. different podcasts or different topics. And when I first started with Financial Gym, there was this great newsletter that came out and it was like, go to, and shop at Trader Joe's um, for, mm -hmm. I can't remember what it was. It was like, here's a, here's a grocery shopping list. And then you can like, mm -hmm. for under 50 bucks or something like that. It was, it was great. And I literally mm -hmm. copied and pasted it into my notes, went to Trader Joe's and did it. Okay, <laughs> since I've done that shopping list I and I kept all the prices in there, inflation mm -hmm. has happened mm -hmm. even in the, la in the last two months. It's like yeah. things, the chicken that I was buying that was like $5.50 is now $7.99. So yeah. what, okay, is there hope? Is inflation, do you think it's going to go back down at any point? Mm -hmm. And then follow-up question, how do we how do we budget with inflation? How do we yeah. what are, what are some good spending habits knowing that that's yes. happening? Yeah, such a great point, Tina. So yeah, inflation is real and it's significant at this point because of a lot of things going on in the world uh, since the pandemic. And it's uh, the best thing I could say is that inflation is never permanent. Um, you know, we have periods of time in history where we go through inflation and um, 
And if you look at any time in U.S. history, whenever there's high inflation, um, it's painful to people. Um, and so it's not permanent because it's not sustainable, but you need some se- series of events to control it. Typically, government invention, government intervention is what will shift the dynamic. Um and, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like until that point. Yes. Um, things are higher. And then what you have to do is you just have to think about, and you know, this is where it helps to know where your money's going. And I like, I love that, uh, Tina, you know, how much things cost a big problem people have is they don't know what things cost. Right. And, um, and what deals are and, and, you know, and adjust for that. And so when you're in a position like that, if you don't have the ability to charge more, which for freelancers or whatever, um, that's the number one thing we'll say is, well, you've got to raise your rates, right? Like, um, and are you raising your rates? Are you going back and, you know, looking at where you can earn more, uh, potentially taking more work? Um, that's on the income side. On the flip side, it's like, if you're not, you know, you don't have it in you to add more hustle and you feel like you're at capacity because I get it. Well, then it's like, okay, well, then we have to make some different decisions and around the food shopping, it could be, okay, well, instead of, you know, chicken, we're going to do some more vegetarian options, uh, you know, beans or like what's not, you know, as much and maybe replace some of that, um, a meal or two here or there, or think of, you know, think more creatively around, um, the food, like where it went up and where you can kind of make choices around that. Um, and, uh, you know, and then also thinking about if food has gone up then, and you're like, Hey, this is what I need. And, you know, food bills now seven or 8% more. Well, where are you going to spend less in other things? So maybe it's less at Dwayne Reed mm-hmm. or less at, you know, on an Uber, you're going to walk more. We're getting into nicer weather in New York. Maybe it's like, you know, looking at, you know, all the choices, like when these things happen, you know, the, you think of your financial life as like a pie and inflation makes the, um, pieces within your pie expand. Um, and if we're not going to expand the pie, meaning earn more money to cover that, then we have to cut back the pieces of the pie. And it's really, this is where it's very valuable to not be an ostrich, right? Cause then you can know where you can cut back the pieces of the pie and where you can find that. And, um, and honestly, sometimes it's some really difficult decisions we've had clients have to make over the last two years because of, you know, the, the, the choices, some, you know, people have moved back home. The biggest, the biggest expenses for people on a regular basis are where they live, uh, food and, um, student loans, possibly student loans have been on, but you know, that's, in theory could be coming back in May, that's going to create some other problems for people too, who have not been paying for $500 a month student loan payments that are going to come back at some point, those will come back and again, be challenging. I think it's going to be tough for those, for the government to make student loans come back with inflation as high as it is, but I don't know, that's not, you know, for as a whole other issue and problem, but, um, you know, it's really like, again, making, seeing where you can cut. And sometimes it has to be, it's going to be painful. Like it just, that's the reality. Sometimes you're going to have to earn more and take more work that you don't really feel like doing. If you don't want to cut the other pieces of the pie, you know, we, uh, you, uh, Tina got, you know, plan from us. All of our plans have a music playlist, um, that, you know, for to inspire, just like give a workout, Mm -hmm you know, playlist for regular workout. We give you a money workout playlist. And the number one song on everyone's list is you can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones. It is everyone's number one, because at the end of the day, except for 1% of the population, all of us have to make some really tough choices around our money. We can't do it all. Um, we just can't. And so we just, but we can get the things we need and what do we need? And that's why it's really important for us to help our clients prioritize what is 
the not, what are the non-negotiables? Where do we need to have the money? And if food's not one of yours, you know, Tina, then we find cheaper food options, mm-hmm. right? Or like, you know, we think about what we're eating a little bit differently because we're not cutting back X, Y, and Z area, or I don't have it in me to work another 20 hours. So I'm just going to have to have more rice and beans or some pasta or whatever. And, and that's, what's going to happen. And it's, um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing, it's really hard in these moments of the tough choices, because we want to say yes to everything, but what is really important. And we do with our clients is the exercises, like saying no to things like saying no to chicken is not saying no to chicken. And, And it's really important that we know that it's like, we're not saying no to this or no to this or no to a trip to Dwayne Reed. Those no's are really yes to what we really want, right? And so it's not a no because that feels like scarcity. We don't want to hear no. It's not saying no to chicken and like life sucks and inflation sucks. It's like, hey, inflation, like things out of my control are up. Um, I don't want to say no to travel. So I'm going to say no to chicken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and saying no to chicken means yes to travel. And that's what, that's the choice I'm making and it's a choice and it feels good. It's such a perfect time right now for people to work with you and to think about their finances, because I feel like people, I mean, including us, me developed just some bad, some new bad habits during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know for me and for a lot of people, it was really traumatic in a lot of ways. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do this because it's comforting and I'm going to buy this just because I need, you know, I needed to be comforted in ways that I didn't before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that people have lost jobs, gained jobs, and now kind of the dust has settled. And I think people are really ready to take a look at what their new normal is. I have to take a break and talk about how much I love plant people. Plant People makes doctor-formulated CBD and mushroom tinctures, gummies, serums, and lotion that will help you optimize your health. Personally, I'm obsessed with the Sleep Drops and the Soothe Restorative Body Balm. The Sleep Drops are a healthier alternative to melatonin to help you relax and fall asleep without feeling drowsy the next day. And the Soothe Balm is my go-to for sore, tired muscles and my secret weapon for dealing with cramps. So for 15% off your first Plant People order, use code OBSESSED at checkout or tap the Plant People link in the show notes for this episode. If you know me personally, or if you listen to Obsessed with the Best, you know I love Beauty Counter. Tina and I have been using and loving Beauty Counter for years. Two of my biggest passions are clean beauty and supporting female-founded brands, and Beauty Counter checks both of those boxes. Clean beauty is not a trend. It's a movement, and it's here to stay, because as consumers, we're all way too smart to be putting harmful ingredients all over our skin if we don't have to. Beauty Counter is a safe and clean option that's here for all of your beauty needs. We're talking makeup, skincare, bath and body, hair care, masks and treatments, and they even have a men's line. Plus, we've tried countless beauty products at this point, and Beauty Counter continues to be the trusted brand that we just keep on coming back to because their products are just so good. They really, truly actually work. So we're sharing a special promotion just for the month of April 2022 for 30% off your first Beauty Counter purchase. Go to beautycounter.com slash obsessed and enter code CLEANFORALL30 at checkout. That's clean, F-O-R-A-L-L-3-0. And when they ask if you shopped with anyone, just tell them Obsessed with the Best sent you. That's beautycounter.com slash obsessed with code CLEANFORALL30 at checkout. If you don't have a pen to write this down, don't worry. You'll find all the details by scrolling to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. You use the term financial health a lot. Mm-hmm. How, do you, mm-hmm. how do you define that? 
So financial health is honestly unique to everybody. It looks different for everybody. And this is a hard, this is hard, the hard part. And Tina mentioned about the Googling and the whatever, because it's hard to find it for you. And it's really going to be defined by you. And the way we think about financial health is the ability to live the life you want to live, making the choices you can, and that money is not a factor. And so, and it sounds vague, but part of what we help our clients understand is what are the numbers around that? Because it's different for everybody. So we have clients who, you know, are living wherever they're living in the country, making $40,000 a year, and they want to figure out how to sustain that because that's the life they want to live. And, you know, they don't want, they want to work in a nonprofit, whatever their job is, like they want to continue to do that. And how do they achieve X, Y, and Z given this is their scenario. And then we have some clients who, you know, are making six figures, but they don't want to continue to make six figures and sustain this lifestyle that they've built. So they're like, how do I create, you know, a world where I don't have to make this much money? I call it being a salary hostage where, you know, you've inflated your life. You know, that's a lot what a lot of those investment bankers do, Alex, like you get a bigger paycheck, you get a more expensive apartment, you get more expensive clothes. Like you just inflate your lifestyle to match the paycheck. And so for some clients, we're just figuring out, okay, how can they readjust just lifestyle so they don't need as much income? And then what is is it that they really need and what do we need to be preparing for? And so, you know, we have some clients who don't want to buy a home. Like it's homeownership's not a goal for them. And it's like, great. And by the way, that's, that's a perfectly, perfectly acceptable. You're not throwing money away when you're renting. If you can save money while you're renting, you're not throwing it away. Okay. So that's like a common theme. People are like, Oh, you're throwing money away. You're not, if you're saving money um, while you're renting, then you are. But if you're not saving money while you're renting, well, then maybe you have to make lifestyle choices to make room for that, whether we're making more or like, or it could be, you know, living somewhere else. I mean, we've had people come to us and say, like, don't want to get rid of my apartment. A couple clients, two and three were dating when they first met me and they both were living in, he was living in Brooklyn paying like $2,500 a month. And she was living in Manhattan, I think paying, I don't know, whatever she was paying to $2,500 a month. And the two of them were like, well, we can move to a nicer place in Manhattan and afford $5,000 a month was like, cause they, they got engaged. And then we we're talking about how they were moving in together. And the then fiance now husband was like, well, or we could both live in Brooklyn for 2,500 and save 2,500, you know? And it was like, oh, um, and she's like, but I like, I don't want to have to take the train home late. And it was like, but even if we budget for Uber, like she could still, and, and so it was like this whole dialogue, like, let, let's imagine a different thing. Like, do we have to pay this much? Can we think creatively about this? Because then you can really free up a lot of space for other things. Um, fast forward eight years, they just had their second child and they live in London now. And, um, and they're, you know, they've increased their income and they're still extremely frugal. Their, their big frugal hack back in the day was making their own avocado toast at home. Um, and they were like, that's what we make like every night. It's really oh my God, I love, cheap. And, I had that for breakfast this morning. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we make it at home. And, you know, that was like, but you, you know, they made it like fun and a goal. And I think, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of work around, but the point is like financial, like make sure it's like speaks to you, right? Like, why are you just paying five grand a month for an apartment? Cause you can, like, do you need to, like, can you create space in your mm -hmm. lifestyle so that you don't have to worry about money and, and you have more flexibility for these other things in life. It's just really, you know, imagining and reimagining your life. And is it a sustainable lifestyle given 
all the other parameters. So it's unique to everybody. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes what's funny is like clients will come to us and they don't really know what it looks like financial health for them, you know, or what they're really working for. And sometimes it's like, um, as we're working together, it becomes like an evolution. Like I remember, you know, clients early on, they were like, Equinox is a must, like it's a non-negotiable, whatever. And then as we start like tracking, it was like six months into me working with them. I remember they're both like, we don't really need Equinox. Like, you know, we could get this membership. I get the husband was like, I get this free membership at, you know, New York sports club. It's fine. Yeah. The towels aren't as nice and da, 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 you know, but, but it's saving us $300 a month and we'd rather go out to dinner and, you know, they like nicer dinners, whatever. Like, it's just thinking through the way we're spending our money, um, is really the key, you know, to getting to better financial health. And like, what do you really need to sustain the life you want? And is the life you want, you're living really the life you want to live. I remember last year when I kind of went off the rails with my with my credit card debt and finances, it was all from a place of like convenience. And I just wanted convenience mm-hmm. and I wanted instant gratification. And, and I was listening to a, another podcast that you were on and you were talking about, and I'm not, I'm going to not say it as well as you said it, but swiping a credit card is sort of like an instant gratification and you kind of don't really realize what's happening. Mm-hmm. But sw- it's the mm-hmm. COVID comfort yes. that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I think that like, you know, came, it's like, oh my God, I just need to feel good for a minute right. during, the, mm-hmm. during the darkest times. But if you're yeah. using cash or you're using a debit card and you know exactly what's coming out, it, it there's more value to it. Can you talk, can you explain that better than I yeah, just did? So, yeah, no. So there's literally neurological studies that have shown, show that when we swipe a credit card, the processing center of our brain numbs. So literally it actually feels good. Like our brains are shutting down when that transaction is happening. So, um, we're not processing that. We just swiped a card, um, debit card too. And that's why people get into overdraft situations. Um, and so when we use cash, like it's, it's uncomfortable for us, like, because we're like, oh, there went all my cash. Like there's like, and the physical, like touching of the cash, it's a lot of processing for us in that transaction, but that's what we need to do. Um, like that's exactly, we need to make it harder for us to spend our money. And this is something I say frequently that we work really hard for every dollar that we make, especially in the last two years, right? Like every, when the way I've described it is like, just feeling like you're operating in water, you know how, like when you're walking in water, everything just just feels like hard or like you're everything like that's what these last two years have felt like doing everything just feels like extra work so it's really hard so we have to make it hard to spend our money right if it's that hard to come in we and the problem we have is it's so easy for us to spend money now right to swipe our card anywhere our apps are on our phone like when we don't even see it on uber and samples like it's like it didn't happen um but it's happening and so we have to create more pain points for us. So ca- using cash is a really great convenience, deleting apps and payment methods from our phone and like forcing you to actually stop and like put in the credit card mm. and do the thing creates pause and creates us to say, do I really need to do this? And, um, yeah, Alex, there's a ton of comfort spending that's happened. What's really funny is like they were in the early days of the pandemic, people were like, oh, people are saving so much money because they don't have student loans and they know this, that, and that. And there's like all these great numbers. And I was like, sure, some of that's happening. People were on unemployment. Unemployment was paying more. It was like, you know, the heyday, the first eight months of the pandemic, everything felt like great financially. But then as things started open um, and, you know, people were traveling some or able to go out more and do other things, then the spending starts coming back. And then what's happened in the last six months is pandemic fatigue that it's like, you just mentally 
it, you just spending it all the things like the comfort things, the convenience things, because we've been operating underwater, you know, in this like trudging situation that we're making it easy, but, um, you know, then it's adding the financial challenges too. And, but I would say like, don't worry, but I have clients who are going through it. And I'm like, you know what, this is, this is a phase and a stage and you have to kind of go through it. We just have to know we got to deal with it at some point, like, cause mm-hmm. it doesn't go away. You know, it's like, I mean, it's there, even though we're not looking at it, it's there. And so at some point we just have to work on the planet. And I tell clients, make financial healthy choices when you feel mentally healthy to make them. <laughs> And it, and it's not every day, but there are days where, you know, like we have, we give our clients financial exercises, like no spend days or cash only days. And I say, schedule those in a week. Like you would schedule a regular workout and try to do it. If you have a rough day and you need to like, fine, spend money and do a thing. But on the days you feel like you can try to do those things, you know, well, and that way, when you have the days where you can't, they won't be as like, you know, challenging because you've created some financially healthy exercises in the middle of it. Cause the reality is like, there will be days you just can't, um, it's same thing with mental health, physical health. Like there's just some days where, you know, you need to eat a pizza and drink a bottle of wine and that's not the best for your physical health, but you know, the next day, if you're feeling up to it, you have the salad and work out, you know, you just have to like try to intermix that when you can. I love that because it helps with burnout and it helps you sustain this long-term lifestyle. I love that. Um, Okay. So your book, Train Your Way to Financial Fitness, has a quiz Mm -hmm. in it. And I have not taken the quiz, but I want to. Um, And it talks (laughs) about the three different kinds of financial fitness. What are Mm -hmm. the three types of financial fitness? So we have people who are financially skinny, people who are financially um, fit, and then people who are financially fat. And I use fat tongue in cheek, but um, it's really like what kind of personality are you and your choices you're making? So our, you know, financially healthily challenged clients are, you know, overspenders and under savers, generally speaking. And um, financially skinny people are living paycheck to paycheck and financially fit people are creating like that kind of gap in, in their life. And, you know, the important thing I say about that is just understanding what your type is. Um, If you're in a relationship, what type your partner is and and are they going to sustain, you know, do you have similar financial health profiles? Um, And to know that it's all fixable. So like wherever point you're starting out um, in your financial health journey is um, you can move across the spectrum very easily. It just might, you know, how much work are we going to have to do to get there? You know, and I I make those references because I, you know, physically, used to be 50 pounds heavier. And I was like over 200 pounds. And uh, it was after I had my son and, and I make a lot of, make a lot of analogies to a fitness journey with the gym. Cause there are a lot of similarities and, you know, I just wasn't ready to make the changes. Finally I was, and I went to Weight Watchers, WW and why it worked for me. was like, okay. Cause I could drink wine and, um, have bread and I'm cracking because this is a gift from one of my, from my team. Um, and, it, and this is, sits on my desk and it's an Oprah candle and it says, I love bread. Um, and Oprah like is an investor. I in love WW that. I quote that commercial all the time. She's like, I yeah. love bread. Of bread. Yeah. This is name. So I couldn't do keto or I couldn't do like any of these other things. It was Atkins back in the day because I was like, I need to be able to have bread. But you know, if I could do that, then I could eat more salads and make the changes. And so, so make those like kind of analogies because it's like really understanding where you're starting from and then, you know, aligning how you want to spend your money and making different choices. So you have a podcast, which I mm-hmm. can't wait to listen to. 
So can you tell us a little bit more about it? You told us a little bit, a little bit more. And where can we find it? Yep. So it's called Martinis in Your Money, Living a Better Life, One Cocktail at a Time. Um, and it's on all the Spotify, iTunes. Uh, Katrina's actually my podcast producer. So um, oh, <laughs> yes. cool. I couldn't live without her and helping me organize that. But um, yeah, what's funny is like, I never listened, wasn't really a big podcast person, never really listened to them. And my podcast now almost seven, seven or eight years old. I can never remember. Um, I have, we've done over 400 episodes now, but I was at this financial bloggers conference and they were doing a video about podcasters. And it was almost like a joke that there were no women, you know, but it was like, but also not funny. Um, and so I was with a group of female friends and they were like, this is BS. And they were like, you should do a podcast. They said to me, and I was like, I don't listen to them and I don't really want to do, and I don't know what I talk about, but I was like, but I do like to drink and I do like to talk about money. Um, <laughs> that's all you need. So... And that's literally how we started this podcast. <laughs> literally how we started this yeah. podcast. And I love listening to you talk about money because you come from such a place of compassion, no judgment. And you also bring it down in a way that it's just so accessible and it's not intimidating. So if yeah. someone listening wants to start with financial gym, where do mm -hmm. we find it? How do we sign up for the mailing list? Mm -hmm. Financialgym.com. I think we have like the pop-up that will get you the newsletter. You, can, you don't have to be a member to get it. And you get that weekly uh, financialgym.com. And um, you would sign up for a free warm-up call to learn more. The warm-up call team are our clients. So clients looking to side hustle earn extra money. They are not incented to sell you anything. I'm sure curious that Tina, if that's your experience, but like, oh, yeah. they just want to tell you about the gym. Yeah, it was just, it was so, I had the most lovely person talking to me and she was, it wasn't a sales pitch at all. It was so informative and just really compassionate. It was awesome. Yeah. Our warm-up callers are amazing. We've had some doing it for years now and they're, they're just, uh, they're amazing. So you're going to talk to somebody who's just going to, you know, hear a little bit more about you and like your situation, let you know, our different plans and our programs or whatever. And then, um, we're on Instagram at the financial gym and, um, yeah. And I, you know, my team, you know, people ask me about financial resources or ways to learn more about the gym. And I'm like, we have a podcast. The gym does called financially naked, the podcast, which is a lot of stories of our clients and our trainers and different topics that like come up in our client meetings. And, um, and so when people ask me about resources, I'm like, I seriously would go to the gym. Um, our blogs are amazing. Um, again, podcasts are amazing because the team is, we call it at the gym, gym splaining instead of mansplaining. Um, <laughs> we're gym explaining money. And so it's our way of seeing it and how we make it approachable and how we think about different topics. And we call our trainers, your BFF, your best financial friend. And so our voice and our tone is always from a, what would your BFF want and encourage you to do? I love it. Gosh, well, financial gym so has been amazing. Here. Yes. Thank you, Shannon. And we're, we're going to link mm -hmm. all of those uh, places in our episode notes. So be sure to check those out. And Shannon, thank you for everything and for doing this, this kind of work. Really. It's such a unique approach to money that I haven't quite heard of before. So I am just, I've learned a lot from this and I'm really excited to keep looking into it. So yes. thank you so much. Thanks for having me on ladies. Thank you. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more content, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Patreon, and give us a follow at Obsessed with the Best Pod on Instagram and TikTok.
posted on dimlywit.com.